for partners, number one is reach. We're talking from startups all the way to the biggest software publishers and, and enterprise software providers in the world. And by publishing on the marketplace, they get instant access to reach. Millions of customers across an entire global community of Microsoft users across over 150 countries, network of 90,000 cloud service providers, they get the opportunity to qualify for co-selling with our 15,000 strong sales force. Reach at scale is a significant value point for, for partners. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. We are all seeing an acceleration in the transformation of our world and our partner ecosystems fueled by marketplaces. Technology buyers have rapidly pivoted and partners need to align. My next guest for the podcast is at the center of the maelstrom. Jake Swenson is Microsoft's Vice President for Marketplace and joins to share Microsoft's big bets and how partners can best align to drive acceleration in co-branding, co-selling, and partner-to-partner. This is an important episode for any technology organization looking to achieve their greatest results through marketplaces. I hope you enjoy this discussion as much as I enjoyed welcoming Jake Swenson. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I've been friends with the founders of PartnerTap for many years, and PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. I'm so excited to have them on board. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Vince, how are you? I am so excited to have you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering today. Well, I really appreciate you having me here. I, well, your role at Microsoft is so center to the exciting shift we're all seeing in our partner ecosystem world, marketplaces. So really excited for this discussion. Really excited as well. I mean, we're really at the center of a big shift and excited to have an opportunity to talk to you about it. So for our listeners that don't know you and your role, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, by title, I guess I'm uh, the, the vice president for commercial marketplace at Microsoft. What that means is I'm responsible for our commercial marketplaces. The, the two main ones are AppSource and Azure Marketplace. And these are the, the storefronts where we allow our partners and publishers to list applications that are built on top of Microsoft technologies. They can list them for sale on our marketplaces. And then pretty simply, customers have the opportunity to, to find and try and buy and deploy those solutions really simply and easily through the marketplace. 
can you help us better understand how your mission aligns and how do you measure success at the end of the day? Our mission is pretty, pretty bold. It's, it's nothing short of dramatically simplifying how B2B technology is bought. I mean, if you think about what's involved in a B2B tech sales process or purchase process today, it's often a really highly manual and fragmented experience. Communication across a bunch of different channels, the lengthy extended sales process, committee-based decisions, and usually a process that's, that consists of having to try to cobble together research across a lot of different sources in order to make a, a smart decision, a smart technology buying decision. And our mission is to take that and make it much more of a, a seamless and digital experience. And since it's a two-sided business model, you asked about how we measure success, it's two-sided. So my success is the success of our customers and then also our partners, the customers who buy and the partners who build solutions on top of the Microsoft Cloud and, and publish those solutions to our marketplace. So for, for customers, I, we're successful if we're able to connect really any customer with a solution to the most urgent business problems that they have. And that solution could be one developed by Microsoft or one developed by one of our partners or even, even a hybrid of, of multiple. The end success for our partners is whether we can help them much more easily reach and win and grow customers globally. We're more than 150 countries. It strikes me during this discussion, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted you here today as a guest. We've been talking about marketplaces. I've had Jay McBain on several times. He's at Forrester and talking about the role of marketplaces in this transformation we're seeing. We've had Sanjay Mehta from Tackle. And then, of course, Rodney has made some announcements. And I believe that marketplaces really are going to be a key accelerator to success. Why do you think that customers want to use marketplaces? There's the now and then there's the big picture. And, and the now, really practically speaking, there, there's three main reasons why customers want to use a marketplace. It's convenience, number one. I'll, number two is trust. And the third one's purchase power. And I'll talk about each of those individually. Convenience is what we often call kind of simplified or modern procurement. It is having a single place to be able to research to find, to try, to purchase solutions all through your, an enterprise agreement with Microsoft without having to separately onboard fives, tens of vendors. Our customers are able to be able to browse and research a whole host of solutions that have been vetted by Microsoft that they can very simply in this one digital experience consume and pay for it on a single bill. Much more convenient. In, in terms of trust, what they're browsing, what they're researching and finding in the marketplace is these are solutions that are built on the technology stacks that they already operate within their own enterprise, and they've been certified by Microsoft. So they know that what they're buying has at least passed this quality and security set of hurdles that we're, we are confident that these are high quality solutions that they can use effectively. That's trust on the Microsoft side. We, like many e-commerce stores, we also have ratings and reviews and have other types of user-generated content on these products and solutions that customers can consult to ensure that what they're getting is going to meet their needs and that it's of quality. So there's a sense that they've been vetted. Exactly. 
And then on purchase power, this is significant is many of our customers have a Mac agreement, a Microsoft Azure consumption commitment. And through the marketplace, there are many solutions, even from our third parties that will allow them to draw down against that commitment. So they can spend that committed, those committed dollars, both on first party and on authorized third party solutions. So it's, it's purchase power for the customers as well. And it's also an incentive for partners, right? And for partners to put their solutions on the marketplace. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, I will get into the whole, the value props for the partners in a second, but it's absolutely the connection to being able to access that, that Mac, which is a, a significant part of the value for partners. So let's dive in there a little bit. So why do you think partners would choose? I have my own set of beliefs around this, but I'd like to understand from you why you think partners would choose to use the marketplace. Well, simply speaking, it's the inverse of what I just said about customers are looking for convenience. So they, they aggregate into this one place, this one digital community, this marketplace. So for partners, number one is reach. I mean, you're talking about, in some cases, we're talking from startups all the way to the biggest software publishers and, and enterprise software providers in the world. What they all have in common is they all need reach. And by publishing on the marketplace, they get instant access to reach. They get millions of customers across an entire global community of Microsoft users across over 150 countries. They get reach into our network of 90,000 cloud service providers. They get the opportunity to qualify for co-selling with our 15,000 strong sales force. And so reach at scale is a significant value point for, for partners. And then just like customers want trust, want vetted solutions, this is an opportunity for partners to earn trust. They can support their offering with the strength of the Microsoft brand, right? Like they're attaching their brand equity to our brand equity and affirming that this is certified for use by our customers. And especially for entrance to the market, that's a significant point of value. So it's earning trust. And then finally, like you mentioned a moment ago, that share of wallet. Customers have this consumption commitment to spend. I, as a publisher, I, I want to share a wallet. I want to access that, that committed spend. And so this is a convenient way for them to do so. So what's in it for Microsoft, right? There's a big commitment to the partner here, a promise, if you will, right? We're going to co-brand. We're going to potentially co-sell together. Why do you, as Microsoft, care for partners to use the marketplace for access to these 15,000 salespeople and network of 90,000 CSPs? Yeah, it's this is good for ecosystem growth. And so what's good for the partners is good for the ecosystem. If it's good for the ecosystem, it's good for, it's good for Microsoft. This is in our enlightened best interest to provide this because one, it supports all of our main go-to-market tactics. This allows us to scale a digital selling operation that connects buyers and sellers. And when that happens, that means more buyers are using Microsoft and more publishers are using Microsoft. And that's obviously good for us. It supports our field and channel as well. This ability for customers who are supported direct in our direct sales force, this is an opportunity for that direct sales force to act on behalf of the customer and help them research and find solutions to, to draw down on their consumption commitment and to, to in peril solve their problems. This is a way of providing a breadth of solutions to many, many more customers globally and many more partners globally. And, and so it's all about ecosystem growth. Yeah. I'm a firm believer here as well. And I'll add here that I believe it takes a lot of the friction, 
right? So I've been around this co-selling model for several years, both on the Microsoft side and then as a channel chief. And it was hard. It's very manual from a co-selling perspective. It's hard from a transaction perspective. And also there's the whole vetting process that's aligned here. I, it was striking back in July of last year. I can't believe it's, it's almost a year now. But Rodney Clark, Microsoft's channel chief and a guest here on the podcast, I'd say Microsoft put a stake in the ground, right? A significant announcement about marketplaces. And can you comment here about that commitment? Yeah, that was a huge deal. And that was all confess. I've, I've been at Microsoft for nine months now. And so that was right after, right as I was joining. And I knew kind of coming in that we were making this really bold commitment to take all of the hurdles out of the equation. And one of the hurdles that was in the equation here is prior, we were charging a 20% agency fee to partners who were transacting solutions through a marketplace. And one of the things we learned is while some partners got the value out of that 20%, the barrier was just too high. So we made a bold choice just to take it down to nearly nothing, took it down to 3%. And that was really a statement that, look, this is not Microsoft operating a storefront for the purposes of trying to earn margin on sales on top of that storefront. This is Microsoft operating a storefront for the pure value of driving growth in the ecosystem. We led the market on taking agency fees from 20% down to 3%. Imitation is the purest form of flattery and some of our competitors followed suit. I was happy to see us take that market leading step in, in making that statement around what's really the role of marketplaces and, and why this is really just about growth. Yeah. Like I said, it's a strong signal. I, I was always, I was feeling before that announcement that Microsoft was just playing in the sandbox, so to speak, with regards to marketplaces. And it set a very strong signal to the market, to the partners, and frankly, to the other hyperscalers, which there was a strong reaction to your point. I have so many great guests that come here. Jay McBain, we talked about from Forrester. We've talked about the rapid changes we've all seen, this transformation of every industry and the decade of the ecosystem as he's coined it. We talk about how our lives have changed, the world has changed since the lockdown and how that's also influencing buying behaviors. What are you seeing on your side? Yeah, this is, it's one of the things I love about working on Marketplace and in this role is it really feels like being at the epicenter of so much, so many different changes. We've obviously seen through you know, the last couple of years and through the pandemic, a significant acceleration of the adoption of digital technologies. Businesses and industries have had to just change the way they work in order to serve people better through you know really challenging times. And they're Seeing the benefits of digital adoption through reducing costs, through providing higher levels of customer convenience and service, what I'm seeing is the role of marketplace is really to be the connective tissue of that change. There's a vast variety of industries that need these digital technologies. Vendors and, and publishers are going to continue to emerge to meet those varied needs. The role of the marketplace is to matchmake to customer demand and take all of the transactional friction we possibly can out of the system. And I kind of made the comment to, to my team and to others every now and again, in the B2C environment, the hurdles have largely been taken out. I can pull my phone out of my pocket and tap it five to 10 times and anything in the world that I want shows up at my doorstep between like two and five days. Now, if you look at the B2B world, that same level of digital convenience and digital seamlessness does not yet exist. 
the role of the marketplace in part is to accelerate what a lot of people have been talking about for a while is that consumerization of IT. But really what they're talking about is make it as easy to do business as it is just to live my life. It's striking. It's striking the change that we're seeing and how fast this transformation is accelerating here. And I'm reminded of a comment that was made, a quote from, in fact, we talked about Tackle.io and Sanjay Mehta, who's been on the podcast, their investors, Andreessen Horowitz, and the comment that one of the leaders made that marketplaces are not going to accelerate the channel. They're actually going to become the channel. What are your thoughts there? I, I see this too. I see this acceleration happening, this friction being taken out of the system. It's so arduous today for two or three organizations to come together to help a customer be successful to solve for a client's needs. How do you see this evolving and what is Microsoft's commitment here? Yeah. So I, I know Sanjay as well. And I agree with them that we're going to see marketplace really start to take center, center stage as being the a channel or the channel for B2B tech over time. There was a really interesting article that was published actually this week in the Harvard Business Review. And the title of the article is something to the effect of why B2B sales and marketing is becoming obsolete. What it talks about is that in yesteryear, or, or even for many operations today, that software companies or technology companies treat the sales and marketing funnel as like this linear process. The customer is going to engage with a bunch of marketing content. They're going to be nurtured or matured to the point where they're ready for the quote-unquote handoff, the handoff to sales. And at that point, it becomes largely a hand-to-hand, person-to-person type of interaction to the point where they're ready to close. And that's the, the advent of marketplaces and the advent of and the proliferation and availability of information in digital channels is really putting that model under strain. What is actually happening is customers just want information about solutions, about information they need in order to make good decisions with their time and money. And they're going to employ a bunch of different channels in order to get that information. And that can be through peers, that can be through analyst sites, that can be through websites. And really, in some regard, the, the salesperson is one of those information sources. However, it's not a linear process. It's a process that now, because of digital, is much more empowering to the customer than what happened before. So I bring this article up because it really is making the case for Marketplace. Imagine if Marketplace becomes that source of learning. People can interact with one another. People can interact with content in order to accumulate enough confidence and enough information to make a decision. And once that decision is made, why not give them the ability to transact and deploy and manage that solution in a completely digital manner, as opposed to how it's done today? So I think when Sanjay makes the comment that marketplaces will become the channel, what he's saying is is that we are seeing the transformation of buying and selling from this fragmented offline process to a completely digital one. And that makes a lot of sense because we're seeing that type of trend play out in so many other areas of lives. Such a powerful piece. I'm glad you brought up the Harvard Business Review article. We're going to share a link in our show notes. But what's striking to me when you read through this is, and I, again, have, have had some experiences on the other side of the table and some of these ISV organizations, a lot of these SaaS organizations will just go hire 100 or 200 sellers and pound the phones. 
and expect that's the way customers still want to buy. And in fact, what you're saying here is that that's not the way they want to buy. Let me ask you a question. Has one of those emails, cold emails ever found you well? (laughs) No. (laughs) And the LinkedIn direct messages I get every day. Yeah. So it's like, look, I don't blame everybody for trying. Like it is a crowded place. It's a crowded ecosystem. Like if you look, a lot of times I'll bring up a picture of the the MarTech 5000. It's one of those classic Lumiscape type of slides that's got the logos of all of the companies in marketing technology. And usually it's, you couldn't discern one logo from another. There's so many. The, The thing about them, and I'll just pick on MarTech as an example because it's just such a striking example. In 2014, there were something on the order of 900 logos on that MarTech 5000 slide. In 2020, there were over 8,000. I mean, we're talking the MarTech 5000 is now 8,000. And the cloud has made this explosion of options and explosion of opportunity possible. This would not have been possible without the cloud. However, the cloud has also made it crowded. And when it gets crowded, that's why you're seeing so many of these technology companies are just doing everything they can to try to reach the buyer and everything they can to try to differentiate. And the problem is that when we're all employing the same tactics, those tactics start to get stale. And I believe that Marketplace plays a really pivotal role in really saving mainstream B2B sales and marketing from this very inefficient top of funnel type operation. And rather making it more of an experience based on engagement where buyers and sellers can connect and more productively solve problems. I spent a lot of time in the Microsoft ecosystem with organizations that want to stand out. It's resonating so greatly with me today because they want to stand out. I use the term a shiny quarter and a bucket full of shiny quarters. To those 15,000 sellers, it's noisy and it's crowded, as you say. And I believe that this becomes the accelerator for that to happen in the more, most effective way for the client and for the partner. Do you agree? Yeah. And actually, it's good for partners because, and I don't mean to be critical of what's happening in the, in the sales and marketing world because there hasn't been a better option yet. That's what we're working on. If you play this all the way out to the limit where marketplace becomes this destination for commerce, then that's really liberating for partners and publishers because they get to focus on building great software and great technology and their core IP. And then they get to spend a little less time worrying about distribution because distribution is happening in this much more efficient and seamless way. Yeah. So for partners out there, what do you see from the best? Who are the best candidates to participate in the marketplace? Yeah. The best candidates to participate are really the ones that have taken the time to understand the value prop and of marketplace, how it can help them. They've done the work to get buy-in across their organization about marketplace and have really embraced it as a, not as a, a hobby, but as a mainstream channel, meaning they're listing their, their catalog on it. They are resourcing it. They are integrating it into their sales operations. They are putting marketing strategy behind driving traffic to their listings in the marketplace. In short, like they've committed. They've made this a mainstream go-to-market channel. There's, I'm only naming names because we just did a public 
video uh, case study, but we just published a Microsoft uh, Marketplace just published a, a video case study with F5. They won our Commercial Marketplace Partner of the Year last year. They are a great example of how to embrace this digital channel. And I bring them up, I bring them up individually because we have this case study available and, and they tell their story pretty well. And we'll provide a link to that in our show notes. I think partners would best learn to see what the best of the best are doing. Yeah, it's good to have an example. What about in the time you've been at Microsoft, have you seen partners that have struggled here? And what would you say to them now if you could? Sure. I mean, I'm not going to name names here, obviously, but you know, on the other end of the spectrum, and it's pretty simple, right? It's the ones that aren't really fully embracing this change or don't yet have an understanding of how the fundamental opportunity or how this will kind of disrupt the, the B2B sales and marketing motion going forward. Like the, the ones who are unsuccessful tend to put up a listing, maybe not even make it transactable, maybe make it a contact me just a lead gen mechanism, don't really put any marketing behind it, don't really try to attract their field seller attention to it, don't try to use it to really earn new reach, expand to new geos or new segments. It's putting up, I liked your analogy, they put up their one shiny corner among tens of thousands of other quarters and, and wonder why nobody's picking theirs. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we're going to shift gears here now because... As you might know from listening to other episodes, I'm passionate about helping earlier in career professionals get to that next spot in their career. So I want to ask you, Jake, was there a spark or a pivot that got you to VP? And VP is a big deal at Microsoft. Got you to VP at Microsoft. It's spark or pivots is a tough one because it's not like there was one big event. And in fact, jobs like mine, which are more in the general management and kind of multidisciplinary sense are much more the result of an entire career spent working and learning in a bunch of different areas. And so in my case, I've got over 20 years in this industry across consulting and engineering and product management and product marketing. And in different areas, I've worked in telecom, I've worked in e-commerce, I've worked in marketplaces and network business models. For me, the path here was not so much of a spark or a pivot as it was just a willingness and an ability to take on a bunch of different challenges and honestly not be worried about following some real prescriptive linear path. Earlier in my career, I got worried that I wasn't really deep expert in one thing, like deep in engineering or deep in product. And I found myself working towards much more of a generalist type of skill set. And when I learned to finally just embrace that, I realized that this product leadership and general management type of role really asks for the person who's done a bunch of different things and has a breadth of experience to draw from. So when I stopped fighting that and just embraced it, I think that was when I really got the, had the courage and had the opportunities to grow into a role like this. I find that as well. And the leaders that I talk to, the CEOs and the business leaders have that. They understand that they it's important to get a varied set of experiences and obviously, 20 years ago, you weren't thinking about VP of marketplaces at Microsoft, right, when you started this journey. So, And, and I, the only thing that I've had as a, that's been a guiding principle throughout is, and I would say to people earlier in the career, it's just always be ready to bet on yourself. Be ready to bet on yourself and remember that even though you might look across the desk or in today's world, look through that video camera and think that other person has it all figured out. And that's not true. 
nobody really has it all figured out. The people who succeed are the ones that are willing to just roll up their sleeves and trust themselves and, and, and collaborate and get the work done. Always be willing to bet on yourself. I love that one. So we're going to have some fun. This is one of my favorite questions. And I love to ask this question, in fact, but hosting a dinner party and hopefully the weather is cleared up. We've had some crazy weather going on around the country this week that we're recording. And at this amazing dinner party, you can invite any three guests from the present or the past. One person actually said, the fu- how about the future? We added that in. Who would you invite to this amazing dinner party and why? I, this is a great question. I think that I'm going to throw in a curveball and say uh, there's one guest. I'm going to invite one fictional guest. Yeah. I'm going to invite Ted Lasso. Nice. I love Ted Lasso. Yeah, me too. And I think the reason I invite Ted Lasso is uh, if I think about my leadership style, I was inspired by that show and saw echoes of how I like to lead in Ted, leading with purpose, leading with empathy, belief, and really just trying to build an environment where people can be their best and be their real selves. I like to think that I'm more experienced and more credible to do my job than Ted, but I still really would want him at my party. The second person, I, I don't know if you've heard this person, but there's a, a British comedian named Eddie Azard. Eddie Azard. Okay, I'm going to look him up. Yeah, it's actually, so Eddie Azard, and I think recently underwent a transformation to, to become a woman. So she, she'd be a she at this point. Eddie is, if you ever listen to any of her, her stuff, is one of the most brilliant comics out there and can make really anything funny from the French language to ancient Latin to the idea that Julius Caesar's dying wish was to be remembered as a salad. And scenes like, what would would the cafeteria or canteen look like on the Death Star? Really just odd. And this is the person who I know would be the life of the party because she would have something incredible to teach everybody, would have something incredibly funny to say about it. And she's also recently gone through these challenges where she'll run like 30 marathons in 30 days. So just the mental and physical fortitude to be able to endure that kind of, that kind of punishment, like I, there's something to learn from there. The third person is my wife, Naomi, because... I know she'd love those other two guests, and I I couldn't imagine having that dinner party without having her there, too. It sounds like a great party. I might have to stop by for maybe a glass of wine or a beverage. Yeah, you're welcome to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Love to meet Naomi and Eddie and Ted. I mean, Ted would be wonderful. I love it. Now, where are we going to have this party since we have two people that are in the UK? Are we going to have it here stateside, or what's your plan there? Well, that's funny because my wife's British too. I wonder what, I, I didn't really put that together, but I guess we're going overseas. Sounds like fun. Can't wait to do it. Jake, you have been an amazing guest. We've had some technical difficulties getting this all scheduled, uh, weather patterns, all kinds of great things that have happened this past week. But this is such an important topic. I'm so excited that you were able to come and talk about marketplaces. But for our partner listeners, are there any parting comments or words you'd like to share with them. I, I want to say thank you to the partners who are listening for their ongoing support and, and commitment with Microsoft. And I know that many of our partners are really excited by and are eager for the growing importance of marketplaces. And so I would just, I personally 
My, my door is always open and, and to your listeners and to partners who have questions about Marketplace and either for already working with us or thinking about working with us, is, my door is open. I'd, be, I'd love to speak with as many of you as I can just to understand your needs and make sure that, we're, that we are setting ourselves up to, to, meet them with, to meet them well. That's great to hear. And we're going to provide links to your LinkedIn profile in our show. Is that the best way to reach out? Yeah, let's start there. Let's start there. And, and again, Vince, thank you so much for, for having me on this. It's been a lot of fun. You're right. We pushed through a few challenges, but got it done. Well, great to have you today, Jake. Such an important topic. So excited to work with you. And thanks so much for being an amazing guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnery. Thank you. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise. Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.